I'm Joe Goff with 3J Performance Horses in St. Augustine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. You know the drill. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, sheep producers from all over the country will be in Texas next month for the American Sheep Industry Convention in Fort Worth. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, the downturn in cotton prices has some farmers mulling over just how far to go with that crop next year. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear one farmer's thoughts on how global economics are impacting cotton. An undiagnosed equine disease in Louisiana is being linked to the possible feeding of alfalfa cubes produced in Colorado. The disease could possibly also be in Texas, New Mexico, and Colorado. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on highly recommended veterinary precautions on Texas Ag Today. During the dormant season, we often get anxious for warm weather and green pastures, so we start thinking about renovation. Renovation is a series of management practices which restores the vigor or makes new again. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. In just a few weeks, sheep producers from around the country will be in Fort Worth for the annual American Sheep Industries Annual Convention. ASI Executive Director Peter Orwig says the event is an opportunity for sheep producers from across the country to meet and discuss topics and issues within the sheep industry. We are looking for January 18th through the 21st. We'll be at the Omni in, in Fort Worth. We haven't been there in many, many years. Uh, Texas is the largest sheep producing state in the nation. Uh, so we're looking forward to having our uh, Texas membership. Join the, the, the national leaders, the uh, Lamb Council, the Wool Council. There's going to be great discussion on the markets, uh, both lamb and wool. We get most of the companies uh, from both categories that show up for this meeting. So we have some fascinating panels. If people are interested in where the industry is going, this is a place to be involved in those discussions. Again, the dates for the ASI convention January 17th through the 21st. It's held at the Omni Fort Worth Hotel. If you're interested in attending the ASI convention, the early bird registration discount ends this Friday, December 16th, and online registration closes Friday, December 30th. After that, you'll have to register on-site. You can search ASI Convention for more details on the meeting. 
Texas rice farmers have endured a tough year, just like everyone else in Texas agriculture. However, rice prices have not enjoyed the big jump higher like most other crops. Betsy Ward, CEO of USA Rice, told me last week at the USA Rice Outlook Conference in Austin that keeping rice farmers in business is the top priority of the organization heading into 2023. Uh, making sure our, our rice farmers remain viable is number one priority and whatever tools we can find to do that. Um, we've been talking with Congress, with USDA about really the tough time that we had last year. Acres were down, um, not so much, some, some of it's weather, some of it's you know drought in California, some of it's uh, a wet spring in the Mid-South, but a lot of it had to do with input costs and farmers have a choice in the South. They can plant soybeans or cotton or uh, corn and they look at the prices and they look at the input costs and so in a year when acreage should have been up it was down and so we want to try to turn that around for next year. And to make matters worse many rice farmers in southeast Texas have had their water allotments cut off this fall by the lower Colorado River Authority and they may not get any water for a crop this coming spring. In the Texas High Plains, the downturn in cotton prices has some farmers wondering just how much cotton they may plant next year. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Local farmer Justin Garrett grows crops in the Dumas, Sunray, and Spearman areas. When I caught up with him earlier this week, he was still a little shy of completing his cotton harvest as he wraps up a season in which he had to fight through the drought like all other area farmers. Garrett says water issues, in fact, forced him to cut some of his corn early and turn it into silage. His milo came out about average, and although very little of his dryland cotton made it to harvest, his irrigated cotton did well. Now, as he makes plans for next season, Garrett says, I know a lot of farmers have talked about lowering their cotton acres because of the market, but we're going to go ahead and stay with rotation for the most part. We've added a little bit of wheat acreage that we normally don't have, but that's mostly trying to lower our corn acres and spread the water a little bit better. Not be so dependent on Mother Nature. As you heard, Garrett remains committed to cotton, but the current economics have him watching the international scene. That's our main deal with cotton pricing. The economy overseas is lower than the U.S., so they're leaving their dollars for food rather than fiber. But we need that to improve, and hopefully our cotton prices go back to where they should be. And when you're talking about overseas, is that primarily China? China and Asia, a little bit of Europe, you know, the the end buyers of of clothing, but also China, and they're having trouble selling the yarn, you know, the next step after bailing, they spin it in the yarn, and then it sells to the clothing manufacturers, and that economy itself is depressed. Garrett believes if international economics were not holding down demand, cotton prices would be above a dollar a pound instead of floating around the 80 cent mark like they are now. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There may be a new horse disease rearing its head in Louisiana. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Veterinarians at Louisiana State University are investigating the deaths and illnesses of several horses in that state. Waco veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd, host of Texas Vet News Heard Along Our Network, has been in contact with the LSU vets, and he is here with the latest, Dr. Judd. This is a fairly serious issue over in Louisiana. One farm had 15 horses that have become acutely ill beginning of December. A couple of those have died and 10 were euthanized due to rapid decline and two are 
still alive at the LSU Veterinary Teaching Hospital at this point. They believe it may be botulism, may recognize botulism. It's the same toxin that is used in humans for Botox injections. It's extremely toxic, but very little is used in cosmetic procedures in people. But this organism produces a toxin. It's usually produced in hay or feed from entry of dead animals in the feed. And so some of the symptoms are muscle tremor, whole body tremors, horses may lay down, show signs of agitation, become laterally recumbent, unable to get up. It's a nervous system disease, and then these horses will either die or need to be euthanized. Now, they have not made the diagnosis at LSU yet. They have sent off testing. There are likely cases in Texas, New Mexico, and Colorado. They have tied together that they believe this is related to feeding alfalfa cubes that are being produced in Colorado. So the group at LSU LSU is recommending for uh, all horse owners not to feed alfalfa cubes that are produced in Colorado at this point until they get a diagnosis. That is uh, Waco veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pasture renovation may be on producers' minds during the dormant season, but forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says pasture renovation can mean a lot of different things. In pasture management, renovation refers to improvement of a permanent pasture by change management. Renovation of Bermuda grass pastures may be as simple as soil testing and applying proper fertilization, or it may be as complex and intensive as destroying the existing sod, preparing a seed bed, and replanting. Our first renovation practice should be extensive soil testing and fertilization in accordance with the soil test recommendations. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases aid in water use, and for winter hardiness. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Another practice that can improve forage production and persistence is weed control. Weeds compete with Bermuda grass for water, nutrients, and sunlight. Scouting and identifying weeds early is critical to match the best method of control and to potentially have effective control. When most people think of renovation, they think about replanting entirely. Bermuda grass will break dormancy after our last frost, which can occur in mid-March. Green up will usually take place from late March to mid-April, depending on location within our state. For now, we can plan ahead for improving our forage management for the next warm season. Using best management practices that encourage healthy stands, better nutrient utilization, along with grazing management and hay production practices that extend the longevity of the stand is the producer's best line of defense. If you decide to replant, select forage species and varieties that are adapted to your location, as well as fit your production system goals. Remember, Bermuda grass is resilient and has high tolerance of cold and drought if managed appropriately. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Dove season reopens Saturday. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's a rare but real condition that could affect Texas dairies. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a rare but real condition that could affect Texas dairies. Dr. Bob Judd says it's stray voltage. Stray voltage has been a concern on some dairy farms and other livestock facilities for years, but it is rare and difficult to diagnose. The case reported occurred at Olmar Farms in 2010 and was a 150-cow Holstein dairy with high milk production. They moved into a new facility, and after a power outage, the cows became anxious and difficult to milk, and even some had to have their legs tied to milk them, as it was dangerous to the milking staff. Stray voltage is defined by the United States Department of Agriculture as a small voltage less than 10 volts that can be measured between two points and can be contacted by an animal or person. You may have experienced stray voltage before by touching a metal water trough or other piece of metal equipment and feeling a low-level electric shock. It is not a big deal for a person, but animals, especially dairy cows, can react negatively, and this is what occurred in this dairy herd. It can cause dairy cows to kick when being milked and be reluctant to even enter the milk barn. They were also reluctant to drink water out of a trough due to the electrical current present, and the owner of the farm reported some cows even died from heart issues due to the stray voltage. Finally, a veterinarian referred the farm owners to a master electrician, which came out to the farm and tested for stray voltage. He found stray voltage in all of their facilities, including even unheated waterers. The electrician worked with the utility company to get three-phase electricity to the farm, and this seemed to solve the issue. You may have never heard of stray voltage, but it can be a real problem with livestock, especially on dairy farms. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season reopens Saturday. Jessica Domo has the details in today's wildlife report. The second half of the regular dove hunting season opens Saturday, and experts say that hunters should have good chances of bagging some birds. Bobby Thornton, the co-founder of the Texas Dove Hunters Association, joins us with more. As sparse as it may have been for the majority of the state in the first season, the way this thing has played out it should lead up to a really good second season. Generally speaking, drought-type conditions, or should I say drier conditions, usually lead to a really good breeding crop. So we're anticipating having lots of birds having gone through their early stages of infancy to now being here for the second season. This could lead up to a really good season. Although the second part of the season can provide some great opportunities for hunters, it's typically not the most popular. Statistically speaking, you get more hunters before the split. Within the first three weeks of a dove season, you're shooting over 80% of your birds that are harvested in an entire season. That being said, if you were to eliminate those first three weeks and compare the end of the first season to the second season, we are starting to see more and more hunters coming out in the second season. It's hard in December because you've got holidays coming. January is a great time to be in the field, you know, early to mid-January. 
as long as the weather cooperates because it can get cold in January. But if you're willing to get out there with it, that's a great time to hunt. Again, the second part of dove hunting season opens Saturday, December 17th in all zones. The season ends January 1st in the North Zone, January 15th in the Central Zone, and January 22nd in the South Zone. The daily bag limit is 15 birds. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. A lower day Wednesday for cattle, cotton, and grains. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The middle of the week seemed to be a down day for all of our agricultural markets. We were lower in the cattle trade on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle futures ending in the red. December live cattle down 40 cents, 154.50. February down 65 at 155.70, while April live cattle were down 47 cents, 159.57. January feeder cattle dropping 62 cents, 183.60. March feeders down 27, 185.45, while April feeder cattle were down 15. 188.92. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Wednesday. Feedlots asking 156 to 158 here in the South. No sales to report. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday choice down 596 at 248.99. Select up six cents 225.52. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock, is our guest today. Riley, how'd your Monday sale go? I had a good sale again, though, Larry. thought it was uh, fully steady. Cow market was a couple cents better. Did end up with more volume than what we had quoted. Ended up with 2,318 head yesterday. Still not seeing too many uh, stocker cows. We, we had a little handful of pairs. Brought around the 12 to 13.50. But, and then we weighed some others out, you know, from 775 up to 1100. The bread cows, 750 up to 1200. Packer cows, high even cows, 72 to 80. Break 68 to 76, canners 34 to 62, uh, packer bulls 92 to 98 on your high yielding bulls, 72 to 92 on your low to medium yielding bulls. The two to three weight choice steers 202 to 244, effort mates 164 to 182, three to four weight choice steers 164 to 220, effort mates 154 to 178, four to five weight choice steers 174 to 204, effort mates 128 up to 174, five to six weight choice steers 172 to 196, the effort mates 148 to 166. Six to seven weight choice steers, 152 to 172. Heifer mates, 142 to 158. Steers, a seven to eight weight choice steers, 144 to 162. And heifer mates, 134 to 152. It looks like some people trying to buy some cattle for the end of the year. And then obviously people trying to get them sold before the end of the year. Right. You know, it was a good combination. Yes, 
birthday and, and last week as well. We'll have one more sale uh, next Monday. Uh, we will have a sale Monday, and then uh, we won't be back until January the 9th. Well, Riley, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 361-813-6650 is my cell. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is a web. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished lower in Wednesday's trade. December hogs down seven eighty two thirty two. February down a dollar seventeen at eighty three forty. Class three milk was about the only higher thing we saw in Wednesday's trade. December milk up nine cents at twenty fifty nine. January milk up twenty six at nineteen fifty one a hundredweight. The cotton market traded on both sides of unchanged during the session Wednesday. We actually settled slightly lower. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates by 50 basis points, but that was already built into the market, so it didn't really affect our cotton trade very much. March cotton down 26 points, 81.37. May cotton down 24 at 81.43. We did see a higher close on the new crop December contract. It was up 22 points. 79.43 cents. Corn and wheat both trading lower in Wednesday's trade. Weakness in corn demand continues to be a big factor in the trade. We've seen corn prices drop quite a bit over the last few weeks with poor export sales and poor ethanol demand. December corn dropped four and three quarters, 639 a bushel. March corn down three, 650 and a half. While new crop September corn was down a half, 608 and three quarters. The wheat market finishing lower, hard wheat getting hit the hardest, while soft wheat was only slightly lower. March Kansas City wheat down 15 cents, 850 and a quarter. New crop July down 11, 838 and a quarter. But not much of a drop in the soft wheat market. March Chicago wheat down one and a half, 749 and a quarter. While new crop July was down one and three quarters, seven sixty-four a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas down fifty cents, six forty-three. January crude oil up two nineteen at seventy-seven fifty-eight a barrel. The financial markets were lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down one hundred seventy-five points, thirty-three thousand nine thirty-three. The Nasdaq down 82 at 11,174. The S&P down 25 at 3,994. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.